and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for the second segment of this episode of the Provo Pick and Roll podcast. Uh, again, today we have Morgan Coombs with us. He's uh, serving as our guest star today, and as always, we have the trusty uh, Brady Hill. So we're glad you could join us again. Um, so for the second segment, we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the NBA since they're coming to the conclusion of their season and we're getting ready to jump into the playoffs. So it's kind of an exciting time for the NBA um, because the rest of the regular season can be kind of boring at times, to be honest. But this is where it starts to pick up and get a little bit more interesting um, with the playoff race and trying to think about which teams will make it and which teams won't. So to kind of start off, um, kind of a big thing that's been um, talked about a lot in Utah this year is how well the Jazz have been doing. They are still leading the league in um, the best overall record, and they have officially um, secured their spot in the playoffs, which this year, since they're doing um, a play-in tournament for the 7 through 10 seeds, that means that they'll at, at the lowest, they'll be a 6 seed if they lost the rest of their games. So they're the first team to do that this season, so kind of exciting. So what have you guys thought about the Jazz this year, and how do you, do you think that they'll be able to hold on to that one, number one seed in the West coming into the playoffs? I don't know anything about the NBA, <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I, I know really a bit. Disappointing. <laughs> That's really disappointing, Brady. Um, I haven't watched a single minute of the Jazz play this year. And, and you, got, you could at yeah, least Brady, do Gotts it and all, be like, oh, their guard play is fantastic. Played, but they're, they know. Of yeah. all the years to not be in, in, the, in on the Jazz, this is not the year to pick. I mean, this is going to be the same result as always. Man. All right, so we know, we know Brady's view. Let's, let's jump the to pe- Morgan. What do you think? You let's, let's geek yeah. out about the Jazz. Yeah. I, well, I will say my, uh, I I know a lot about the what I know from the Jazz. I know from my brothers who keep up on it a lot more than me. But uh, a couple of days ago, we just went to see them in uh, in Salt Lake. They were playing the Timberwolves. Your brothers, or... yeah, my brothers played the Timberwolves. Yeah, I was watching <laughs> with the Jazz. No, uh, we uh, surprised one of my brothers and went to went to their game, and it was. Uh, Probably it was one of the most disappointing games of the season, mm, for sure. Yeah. It's probably a negative place to start talking about the Jazz, but um, they, they, I think they're hurting without Donovan Mitchell right now. I mean, hopefully his injury shows that he'll be back in a week or so. Is that what the projection is? I mean, they're going to reevaluate like him on Friday, so um, we will just have to see. But aside from Donovan, I mean, I, I think we have a, like, we're not the Nets. There's no. You know, mm-hmm. super team. We wouldn't talk about us as a super team, but we have a very deep roster where you can mm-hmm. look to a lot of people on the bench to come in and score points. I mean, contender for six man of the year in Clarkson. Mm-hmm. He's been he's had an outstanding season uh, for for his career. Um, I think they've I think they've been playing you know really really well, and I think that they've got a great shot at least of taking the West. Here's my question for y'all, is that the Jazz have played really, really well my entire life. Like, the Jazz have always been good, but, like, why do you do you think this team is different? Like, what are your expectations realistically I'll, for I'll, this team? First answer, and then I want to hear your thoughts as well. I think that there's a resolve in this team born of what happened last year that I don't think they've had in recent years. I, I think from the moment that... Uh, Conley missed that three to to beat the Nuggets in the series last year. I think that put something in Mitchell to just. I really think a lot of heart has gone into this season, okay. 
and a lot of maybe personal feelings into it that has definitely been a huge contributing factor. I think they put a ton of work in to hone their craft and, and play as a solid, solid team, um, which I, I don't think that they've had every year in the, you know, in the past little while. This is definitely different. Yeah, I would mentality. agree. I would agree with Morgan because, and for that for that same reason too, I was actually going to mention the same thing with how the the team responded to that disappointing loss in the playoffs last year because you could see it on Donovan Mitchell's face. He was just, you could just see like the heartbreak that he was going through and like his resolve. You could already tell that he was thinking about next year. So I do feel like this team is different because of their determination and their um, really passion, which I feel is really lacking in today's NBA. Like, I feel like a lot of players don't have the level of passion that I'm, I am, I've accustomed to see of NBA players in the past. Like, you could just, just like thinking back to like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like those really, um, like trademark players for their generation, they just like had such a level of passion for the game and they were invested day in and day out where, you know, to, in today's NBA, I feel like a lot of the regular season games is just, just another day on the court, you know? So, I mean, that's, so that's a big difference. That's the main reason I don't watch the NBA. Yeah. Is like, the which is understandable. If they don't care, why the heck should I care? You're, I know. Doing, yeah, so. I mean, that's a good point. I would even say being at the game live the other day, that it was fun and I super enjoyed it. I'm mm-hmm. glad we went. But uh, it is different than watching, you know, yeah. especially coming right off of March Madness. Where yeah, it's like, which is like totally intense. different feel. Yeah. yeah. A couple more things, too, if I can. The, uh, um, I think that uh, the Jazz, being as good as they are this season, there just hasn't been like national sort of respect or recognition that you would get if, let's say, the Lakers had the record mm-hmm. that the Jazz had. Yeah. yeah. You look at the All-Star weekend, there were a lot of slights that you could say. I mean, in the... I don't know if you could just pin this on LeBron and uh, KD was the other one, right? Picking <laughs> yeah. the you know the two jazz players last, to be the last yeah. and then making that dumb comment about them never picking them in their childhood video games. Yeah. So that I mean that kind of sucks for them and and uh, yeah I just I don't think that the league wants the MB, uh, the Jazz excuse me to succeed as much as they would be on board for the Lakers to have an amazing season and get LeBron his you know fifth title and whatnot so i think that's gotten to their hearts too they've got something to prove they don't have the support of everyone that other teams would have the support uh of so that's something to consider as well and i'm so and real quick i just want to tell you what sets this team apart as far from like an analytical standpoint i guess as well i and i guess i, I want to be careful throwing that word analytics out there because i i do believe that analytics is kind of ruining the game but um <laughs> but um as far as like defensively, they're one of the top defensive teams in the country, led by you know the previous uh, defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. So that's definitely a big upside for them. Uh, and in addition, another big um, pro for the team this year is they have multiple players that can get their own shots. Yeah, Donovan yeah. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, and then Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. Whereas the past Utah teams that really haven't had that. And then on top of that, Bogdanovich. Yeah, you know, Bogdanovich is Jingles also another good. Can get his shot. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. They're also really good role players as well. And then on top of that, their three-point shooting is outstanding. Yeah. It's best, best in the country as far as uh, percentage goes and yeah. then also made threes. So, And in today's NBA, that's really, again, going back to the analytics, that's really what determines a lot of success in the NBA nowadays. So since they have multiple players that can hit those threes and that are really reliable when it comes to that, I think that's really what sets them apart from Jazz teams in the past. 
that being said, I am still kind of, I don't expect them to necessarily even make it to the Western Conference Finals because of the teams that they would have to get through to get there, get there, such as the Lakers or the Clippers. But, um, but I do feel like this is a better Jazz team than we have seen in the past. So here's the thing that worries me from an outsider's perspective, relatively neutral with the Jazz. You think I hate the Jazz. I don't actually hate the Jazz. I'm neutral with the Jazz. But you just talked about the last podcast how you hate the Jazz, basically. Or you hate the Jazz fans. I hate the Jazz fans. I don't hate the Jazz. The Jazz fans are generally annoying. Not necessarily you if you are a Jazz fan. Once again, if you are a Jazz fan, that does not mean I hate you. (laughs) But it is more likely that I'll hate you than if you were a fan of somebody else. And Oklahoma. And Oklahoma. Except for all of them, probably. <laughs> so the thing is, yeah. you're neutral. So, you're neutral, Brady. is a little different than other people's. Yeah, neutral. it doesn't really feel very neutral. It does like, not. I would. It kind of feels one sided. If Utah goes and if Jazz goes and wins, I'm not going to be upset. Well, we would hope you If they lose, I don't care really either. And it doesn't really bother me either way. I would rather them. I should rather, much rather than be the Lakers, or yeah. somebody like that. So I, I don't like the Lakers. But anyways, yeah. back to my point. The main thing I heard was. The Utah Jazz are better this year because they have more passion and they play harder, which wins you games in the regular season because everybody's freaking lazy. And no one tries. And nobody tries, but that's the thing is Utah's always, that's my point, is Utah's mm-hmm. been good in the regular season for a long time. And and they're obviously better. This is a better team than they yeah. have had. But when other people start to play hard and actually play a little bit of defense in the playoffs, is it going to be enough well, to up. overcome the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets and some of those other teams out west. I so, think they could take. I think that in a matchup against the Nuggets, I would hope that we would have a better chance. Well, especially where they don't have Jamal Murray. That's true. Is he out though. for the year? He's out for the year. Okay. Out so, for the yeah. year. He's definitely done. That makes so sense. Just even though that was you know good for the Jazz's odds, he's a great player to watch. Yeah, that was, sad, that to was sad to see. So yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, if they get ma- matched up with a, another team like that, I would expect them to make the Western Conference Finals. But right. it, it's likely that they're going to end up matched up with, you know, the Lakers I, I just will, in the second I round. Will, I will always root for the team between a Jazz team that is as good as these teams we're talking about in any given game. I would always root for them over the team that has, you know, your all-star stack mm-hmm. lineup like yeah. you're seeing in the Nets. You know, and even... Lakers and so. Yep. Yep. They're both pretty stacked. Yeah. So so it'll be interesting. We'll just have to kind of see. And then but I mean as well, they might end up getting a second or third seed because they're only um, one game ahead of the Suns and two games ahead of the Clippers and with Donovan Mitchell out, out for who knows how long, they might fall back to one of those seeds which would make it harder for them um, the road to get to the Western Conference finals. Um, are there any other injuries? On their team, that they have right now. No, they missed Conley and Gobert a couple games ago, but they're they're both back now. So right. I think they hopefully coming play playoff time they'll be pretty healthy. So yeah, um, so there shouldn't be any issues there. Um, so looking at Utah's remaining schedule, they really don't have too hard of a schedule. The really um, an interesting game that they have left is next week. They're going to be playing the Suns. So that'll be good. It'll one. be. Interesting to see who wins that game, and probably whoever wins that game will end up taking the one seed, because, um, and then, yeah, because the, the Utah Jazz, the rest of their games are like, they have the Kings, they have the Thunder, I can't remember, like, it's really not too strong of a schedule, so as long as they can play 
consistent. Yeah. But if they played the way they've been playing against the Timberwolves the last couple of times. That's the thing, is that yeah. every, all these teams are professional basketball, and they can I mean, show yeah. up and play a great game. Yeah. They can take the Jazz off the beat. One thing we haven't mentioned, too, that is great for the Jazz is, is uh, Dwayne Wade coming on board. Yeah. As a no, that's cool. Part-time owner. Yeah, that would definitely cool. help with just recruiting recruiting in the yeah. future and uh, having a good presence a good mind at the helm like that's awesome no that is definitely true because that's something that the utah jazz has always struggled with in the past is to get those recruits from you know kind of the top players in the nba because i mean salt lake city isn't the most lucrative place to want no. to come play basketball um but having a, a legendary player like Dwayne wade being associated with the franchise really really is a, really is a big pro so yeah. i think it's funny that like Dwayne Wade's LeBron's like homie, like his best friend. Mm-hmm. And right after he's like, Salt Lake City sucks. Then Dwayne Wade doesn't like buys the team. Yep. <laughs> yep. That would be funny. that would be interesting to if we if we do have a series with the Lakers in the championships, and uh, you know, kind of seeing LeBron's team and Wade would be on the other side. That'd be an interesting matchup. Awesome. Well, um, continuing to talk about the NBA, so. As I mentioned before, an interesting that they're an interesting thing that they're doing with the playoffs this year is they're doing a play-in tournament for the lower seeds and uh, for the playoffs. So the seven through ten seeds, the way that it works is the seven through ten seeds are going to be in a play-in tournament. The seventh seed will play the eighth seed. The ninth seed will play the tenth seed. And basically, how it works is the seven and eight seeds have two chances to win one game, whereas the nine and ten seeds have have to win two games in a row to get into the tournament. So it's kind of confusing the way that it's structured, but basically, yeah, the loser of the 7-8 and eight game plays the winner of the 9-10 and 10 game, and then it, um, the winner of the 9-10 and 10 game, if the winner of the 9-10 and 10 game beats the loser of the 7-8 and eight game, the, yeah, that's so confusing to say, but basically they get in. So um, what do you guys think of this kind of format for the uh, playoffs, and is this something that the NBA should adopt for future years? I don't particularly see the need for yeah. it. I mentioned this before we started recording, but I, uh, I was listening to someone go off about how they felt that this was a move to give Zion every chance he could get to get <laughs> into the finals, as that would be quite a money grab as well. Um, or even I, just see him play like right. in, the, in, the, in a 9-10 like matchup. Yeah, that would so. be a, that'd be quite a game. I think, uh, yeah, I don't see the need. I think it confuses things but that being said i'm not as well versed on the ins and outs of how they set up these things so i guess like you said as you just explained it's confusing yeah probably throws people off yeah a little more than they should i don't know i feel like it definitely makes sense from a business perspective Mm -hmm. because if you think about their audience if you're a hardcore nba fan you're gonna watch regardless it doesn't matter what format you could complain or whatever but like you're gonna watch when it's Mm -hmm. playoff time yeah right true so if you're a but if you're a casual fan i'll consider myself a casual fan in the situation i will probably watch some nba playoff games whereas i will not watch a single regular season game and i won't miss it at all Mm -hmm. so the more playoff games there are the more likely that you're going to pull some extra audience members some extra eyes and, and increase it increase your revenue um and you're not really my main argument for expanding playoffs that I don't like is that it it devalues the regular season because mm-hmm. how many teams are in a conference? Is there like six, um, fifteen? Like 15? There's fifteen and fourteen, and so like yeah. ten make the tournament. Yeah, like that's like just about everybody. Yeah, just, pretty much. But 
it doesn't really matter because nobody plays hard in the regular season anyways. So what would you yeah. what would you propose or you know what would you propose? Is there a solution that you could see that would maybe help the players want to not just slough off some of the regular season? Well, I think this actually does that to a certain degree because a lot of teams at this point of the season decide to start tanking so that they can get the lottery picks. But um, but this, you know, since there's still a chance if you can even get the 10 seed spot that you could make it into the playoffs, that incentivizes them to not do that a little bit more. So I feel like that does it. In addition, the NBA has also um, recently adjusted the lottery odds so it's not like as guaranteed if you're one of the lower teams that you will get a lottery pick. So I think that is helping shift that attitude um, for the for the players in that in that situation. So that's that's one thing that I um, that this kind of format has going for it is I think it does um, decentivize. Is that a word? Can you yeah. decentivize uh-huh. something? It does decentivize tanking. So there are a, I, th- I think the Timberwolves are out completely. There's no chance of them. To oh yeah, they're eliminated. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe so. a couple more. So right now, Minnesota and Houston are the only ones eliminated from the playoffs. Oh, Houston. So, yeah. which is crazy. So the Timberwolves get eliminated and then beat the Jazz twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How do you exactly figure? where it doesn't matter for them anymore? Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm like looking. I'm still not like a really big fan of this format for the playoffs because I feel like it kind of devalues the regular season. Like Brady was saying, like if you're a six seed that's been or a seven seed that's been pretty good all year and you have a pretty good record, and then you just randomly lose a couple games. Like, if you have a bad streak, then you're just out of playoff contention. I feel like that's a little unfair. But years like this where the Golden State is the 10 seed is only two games behind Dallas as the six seed. Right. So is all those teams us? are, like, right close together. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, um, I like, especially... I, that's probably like my warrior fan coming out, my inner warrior fan coming out too. You're a very so, outer warrior. You don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fan. definitely an outer. Warrior it is fan. an outer that's warrior true. fan. Um, which, by the way, let's just give a plug in for Steph Curry. He's been playing great lately. Just had a streak of 11 games straight where we had where he had 30 plus points. He has just been so sharp on offense, and he's had to be this year because he's definitely had to step up with losing Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. He's been the go-to guy, and I think he's done a tremendous job. Definitely underrated. Doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, you know who he's been playing outstanding. Shaq. Shaq is like on oh, board yeah. with. That, Shaq's been on board. That Steph doesn't get enough. Stephen credit. A. Smith has also been saying a lot of the yes. same things. He's been underrated, which like, I mean, he's pretty well rated, but still, like, he has <laughs> Boy, been pass, underrated. Pass, passing Wilt Chamberlain for all-time uh, score in the world, like that's yeah. not easy. That's and a, he's still only thirty-three. He's still got you know, he's still in the prime of his career. So. Yeah, how many more yeah. years do you think you got? He's got. I mean, I think his game. I like as long as so he's had a lot of ankle injuries in the past, which have kind of been recurring. So as long as those don't come back to, to haunt him, I think he he's, he can play till he's forty. You know, into yeah. his forties. So. That's but, awesome. But he also runs around a lot, so his game yeah. would have to change quite a bit, yeah. as he gets as he transitions into his older age. But anyways, going back to what I was saying before. I would say in situations like that where the playoff race is so close towards the end, um, I think that warrants more of that um, play-in type style. So maybe if they can make some kind of like threshold um, where it's like if they're within five games of making it into the playoffs, then they can have the play-in game. But otherwise, then I don't really think that they should have that. Maybe even less than five games, like two or three. That would be interesting. I I don't really think it does because your your main worry is that you're worrying it's devaluing 
regular season, right? Yeah. By having so many teams. Mm -hmm. But I would argue that it, it really doesn't, though, because it, it does, already it doesn't have it, any yeah. value. Yeah. So, like, you can't devalue it even more. And if you're if you're a seven seed complaining, oh, I'm a seven seed, but I have to play in the tournament, you'd be a six seed. If you were a mm -hmm. six seed, then you wouldn't have to play in the tournament. So it's really, <laughs> it's in, in a certain way, you're cutting it down even further. You're actually yeah. restricting the playoffs to really, like, you really want to be one through six. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a competition in, in and of itself. But then there's also another level of teams that still want to make the tournament. So I actually, I actually like it in that way. What if, uh, what about reducing the length of the season? Not well, maybe not the length, but the number of games played. They don't oh, for sure. This I mean, that would definitely be good. And this year, in in particular, wasn't uh, kind of the games were closer together mm -hmm. on average, yeah. and people had less time to recover, probably leading to the higher number of injuries that mm -hmm. we've seen this year. Reducing the number of games would probably definitely make it more. Yeah, I, mean, I totally agree. That's all the money, though. They're mm -hmm. not doing yeah. that because because every... they can charge they can charge those tickets. They will sell. Tickets oh. for eighty-two games, yeah, and that's that's just more yeah. money. And but I do agree with you, though. I think it'd be it would make the regular season mean more if there were say only thirty or forty games in the season. So the then the players is, would have to show up for every game. The NBA is it's a money first, then basketball. First. Yep. Yep. Well, if that's not that's the most depressing fact. thing, yep, it's reality. Not bad. Yeah. Sad, but that's the way that it is. We can't end on that. Give us something positive about the NBA. Well. The, the last thing that I wanted to talk about is just speculating whether anyone can beat the Nets this year in the playoffs, um, grant, like um, provided that they actually are all healthy. I guess that's a big question still because Kevin and, they've only played nine games altogether this season, Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. So provided that they can play, uh, that they can all be healthy, do you feel like anyone can beat them in the playoffs? Well... You're, you're having them at their A game, like all... Like, if they have all their players, basically. Okay. Do you think anyone can beat them? Like, even, like, the Lakers from the from the West? Yes. But I don't... Yeah, I mean, I mean it, but it's not like it's a... It's not like a super high You still just need a little chance. bit of drama to blow that keg up. <laughs> There's still a lot of uh, yeah. pent-up emotion in that group. Yeah, you could send in someone to ruffle some feathers. Um... Blake Griffin's been playing really good, hasn't he? Yeah, which it's is been kind surprising. of surprising. Yeah, as he's not been because it seemed like he was kind of declining in his time in Detroit. But I don't know. Maybe he was just saving it up for when he was getting <laughs> going to get traded. And he's who, like, I don't really want to. Who was the other guy? Try. Who was the other guy too? Marcus Aldridge. Aldridge. But yes, he's retired, he's retired now. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Hear yeah, that. so he's decided to retire because he was having irregular heartbeats. Yep. So oh, that, yeah, it's kind of health health issues. Okay. So. That I do recall. Yep. Shout out to LA, uh, one of the best Texas Longhorn players ever. Hook him. And San Antonio Spurs. He was not, one, mean, of he best, he's not one of the best San Antonio Spurs ever. But he's a decent player but for a while. He's a good try. On Spurs. But mostly Texas, good job. I just don't like the super team. I think uh, I, I don't like for, it either. For yeah. anybody who can put up a fight, I think there can be people that put up a fight. I think the Lakers can put up a fight. I like. If we saw a Jazz Nets final, like I think that would be awesome to watch. Be crazy. We would, hey, we would I don't have think a shot. Have much of a chance. No. We, we would have a little shot. If Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden are all playing, I don't think there's really much of a chance. Well, maybe I maybe I'm too much of an optimist, but I mean, being an optimist is good. They've been number one in yeah, the season it, all season. It could mm -hmm. be yeah. it could be advantageous of the Nets that they all haven't been healthy all at the same time. 
well, sorry, advantageous to the opponent of the Mets. Yeah, because they, haven't played they still together. haven't learned to share the ball. There's still Just, only one ball. Right, stacking, I mean, mm-hmm. stacking a team doesn't guarantee greatness. Doesn't guarantee greatness. Helps. Yeah. <laughs> Much more likely, but. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that really pans out. So, well, yeah, I think that really kind of concludes the, um, the discussion we wanted to have about the NBA playoffs. It should be exciting, should be fun to watch. We'll just have to see how it plays out this year, and we'll cross our fingers for the Jazz. When did the playoffs begin? Uh, May 16th, or that's when the, the play-in tournament begins. Okay. So, so yeah, should be fun. Should be great. All right. Well, moving on to the next part of our podcast, it's the uh, moment you have all been waiting for. We're now for going to... <laughs> For, I know you've been really sticking out with this podcast for the last hour and a half. Now we can finally get to what you've all been here for. Let's do a and transition. That's the, um, and that's the uh, Marvel overview from Is it bad? Morgan. Just kidding. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. Legal reasons. We don't want to get sued. <laughs> gotcha. I was just uh, I was going to do a little music. Imagine the in. Marvel theme song. We can sing Wait, it. Wait, do you want to sing it? Let's sing it. I mean, you got it. How I don't it, really know it. How does see, it go? Dun, 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 dun. That's the Avengers. Wow, that was just me. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> know what you want. That's that's, that's You're this is your role. role. I think I was go- the one. The, they have a they have a different theme song now. Where, the, where when with the opening, uh, like the MCU logos coming mm-hmm. in at the yeah. beginning of their projects, and they have the. Oh, it's cool. Well. Thanks for yeah, catching me. I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So good catch. <laughs> I know we, we only have like 10 people in our audience, but it's bound that one of them would have turned us in and like yeah. would have reported us so that we would have got sued for that. So dang Oklahoma fans. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any Oklahoma fans listening to this. Well, yeah, probably. We uh, won't take up a ton of your time as this has already been quite a long podcast, but uh, let's talk about the MCU. Let's yeah, talk about. Let's do it. The uh, what we've seen so far, and I don't know when you're planning on airing this. We're recording this on the Tuesday, April twenty seventh. April twenty seventh. Two years ago today was the release of Avengers Endgame, which was. Has yeah. it really been that long? It's been yeah, that long. It's crazy. And a uh, little tidbit: Jordan and myself, we were traveling to. Uh, Wait, he's wedding. Yeah, you're coming up on your two-year anniversary too. Yeah, that's song, well, that already yesterday. happened. Yeah, yesterday. Yesterday. okay. So happy two-year anniversary, so, Brady. So well. always remember Brady's on your anniversary there. that Avengers Endgame <laughs> shares the day with you, shares the shares the time. Maybe not bring that up with Sarah, but <laughs> but you can just think about I'll that. Think about it in my head. I've been thinking about that movie. I think it changed. Well, it didn't change cinema. I I, I take that back. I wouldn't say the movie. I wouldn't say the word change, but it certainly sort of fully realized it was what, the culmination was the, of all cinema I, yes <laughs> I, I would say the movie that changed cinema at least superhero cinema would be the first Avengers movie mm-hmm. being okay. able to co- you know have a cohesive mix of all these characters they built but Endgame though just a mm-hmm. great finale um, we watched it together in theaters yeah what were your feelings on that day I mean I agree I don't think I've ever felt a greater level of anticipation for a movie than I did for um, Endgame. I mean, the only thing that rivals it is probably Infinity War, so it's like <laughs> yeah. in the same realm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, and yeah, and it really didn't disappoint. I was, I still remember how I felt like leading up to watching that movie. We were so excited. We really didn't want to get spoiled, so we were trying the best that we could to not hear anything from anyone. Oh, so yes. 
Yes. And yeah, it was it was fantastic. So my uh, my then girlfriend, actually, I don't think we were engaged yet, but my uh, Erica, my wife, we were watching it, and the moment when Captain America picks up Mjolnir and yeah. has that moment, I like leaped out of my chair and yeah. almost hit her in the face. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, so that, I'll never forget that moment in cinema. Just a, pre, a plug for that amazing movie. The MCU now is uh, definitely a different landscape. We have, I mean, that as the culmination of the story that was, you know, with the Thanos storyline, there was the, the Spider-Man movie, um, Far From Home, that was released a couple months after. But since then, and because of COVID, there was a whole year where we had no Marvel releases, which was devastating. Honestly, 2020 was a sad year for many real, real reasons, but definitely the the absence of the MCU hurt. Um, But we've had two shows come out this year, the the beginnings of Phase 4, what they're calling it, the sort of post-Thanos world of the MCU, which is a lot, in my view, a lot less structured than what I could see happening in the first three phases. And obviously that is because of this grand story arc that they concluded. but there have been two shows that have come out on Disney Plus. We've all kind of watched them together: uh, *WandaVision* and *Falcon and the Winter Soldier*. And we should—we just want to do a quick review, thoughts on those shows, mm-hmm. and then I'll give a kind of an overview of what's to come. But *WandaVision* finished about a month ago. I remember you two starting the show did not enjoy it mm-hmm, as much. Yeah, the first few episodes were definitely rough. Why was that? I mean, they were just very slow and. It was very, um, I mean, it was very mysterious, very abstract, because you didn't understand what was going on. You knew it was like, kind of like, they were trying to do this uh, homage to, you know, older television and um, kind of shows that were popular back in those times. The modern characters were playing like a 50s and 60s and 70s, like, sitcom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like, and there's no context, there's no, you don't really know what's going on. There wasn't so like a like, purpose behind it, at least that you understood yet. It was interesting. I yeah. was I was intrigued and I trusted that because it's Marvel, it's going somewhere, it's gonna be good. But like in and of themselves, the episodes aren't really Yeah. Good. And if it ended after three episodes, I yeah. agree with you. It didn't. Right. Yeah. But the finale though, think of the finale and I guess the episode preceding the finale when you kinda of see how that all ties in. I in my view that was a what a like it just made everything make sense. Everything yeah. that I they agree. did in the I first agree. couple episodes. I think to your, it's just interesting. Like as much as Infinity War and Endgame were hyped, and those were, and they were really good, and I they met expectations. They're amazing. The second to last episode of WandaVision is probably my favorite forty-five minutes of uh, the MCU. Wow, ever that's high praise. Yeah. So that was, that was a very deep, interesting, intriguing episode and it kind of shows the benefits of the tv yeah series as opposed to the movies where they can really go in depth yeah they have a lot more time a lot more time a lot more detail than you can you can do in a two-hour movie yeah and we'll come back to that because i have a thought about the television format but my my few things with wandavision number one is i think that and and the showrunners and uh i have her name here jack schaefer who was the writer of uh wandavision um kept reiterating that the 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 villain of the show was grief and it was really a sort of a reflection of Wanda's character, Vision's character. I mean, mainly Wanda, what she's had to deal with and, uh, overcoming those deep demons that she had inside of her. Mm -hmm. Um, and in hindsight, I've accepted that and I've loved it. And I will say I, I would rate WandaVision a 
A minus. I think they did an incredible job, and I really enjoyed it. At the time, and at at the end of the finale, I felt gypped with uh, with the Quicksilver cameo. Mm, I mean that yeah, that yeah. got me deep. Yeah, that's true. And I hear these quotes from uh, uh, the actor's name, whom I'm drawing a blank on now, but um, him talking about the uh, uh, Evan Peters is his name. Him talking about how awesome it was to come in and replay his character and then have it be this, uh, you know, dumb boner joke mm, and yeah. not be, not be the entrance to the multiverse that we were, we thought it would be. That was hard. That was hard yeah. for me, especially as one who had, reads into the rumors and I, we'll talk about Spider-Man in a bit, but I was really, really hinging on uh, that being a, just as mind blowing thing. I've sent, I've forgiven them a little bit, but that, that'll still always be something that hurts. Yeah. I mean, because it felt like it was just a flex, just like, oh yeah, we can get this guy and right. we can uh, we can do this because we own everything now. But yeah, it wasn't like a, a true like it was it was giving you false hope, which I don't appreciate. And Kevin Feige has said, you know, after the show is wrapped, you know, it's not over. The, the yeah. threads that were laid in the show will lead to more, and, and yeah. you'll just have to be patient. So which it could I potentially guess. still lead to a multiverse, but not in the way that we were anticipating with bringing in that character. No. Um, that played the uh, Quicksilver from X Men. So yeah, we've got a lot. To, we've got White Vision. What's going to happen to him? We've got the tease of, of, of the scrolls coming in, and obviously we have the direct tie into Doctor Strange too, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and just Wanda Vision just finding herself. Yes, like she's becoming yeah. much more powerful. Powerful character, and she is the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, she. This is she is she has reached her point, and if if some of the rumors are to be true, she will be a. Uh, pivotal character analogous to Tony Stark moving forward in the MCU. So that's that's exciting. I think they've done a great job with her character. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier wrapped up last week, I believe. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, I would watch uh, I would watch these episodes at like one of the, like right as they come out, as they came out, because I was I was really excited for the show. I think overall, I'll give a brief thought and I want to hear yours as well. I think that the show um, to your comment about Marvel taking advantage of the show format, I think WandaVision was more took it was more benefited by doing a, t a television show format than was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Not that it wasn't good. I th I would put it at like an eight out of ten, maybe seven and a half out of ten. I, it was a solid show. The finale was great. We'll talk about that in a second too. But but uh, I, I I feel like if it was a movie maybe a long movie or two movies or, or whatever, I think we would have been able to enjoy it more. It felt like to pause it every week, there wasn't the same sense of um, continuity that WandaVision offered as far as episode to episode. And uh, I lost some of the main plot throughout mm -hmm. it. I don't know how, I how you two feel. That's exactly how I feel too. Because I, like, I, like you were saying, I feel like they could have really summarized it into one movie because they didn't really take advantage of the extra time that they had in the TV show format to really flesh out the characters and the plot more. I feel like that time was more used to um, like make, make political statements and just kind of have like good hanging out time with Winter Soldier and Falcon and just be like, oh yeah, we're buddies now. Yeah. Um, which I'm not discounting that. Like, I think it's great that they were able to make political statements through this. Um, and like the Black Lives Matter, I think that's fine and great and everything. Please don't hate me for that, but <laughs> please don't cancel this podcast because I made that comment. But yeah, I, I think they could have taken advantage more of like really fleshing out the character and then uh, the characters and then 
On top of that, I am very disappointed with how they portrayed the Winter Soldier in this um, this uh, season because I liked what they were doing at the beginning with his um, kind of coming to his um, to his own because he Therapy. he lost his best friend basically. Yeah. He's kind of on his own. He has to deal with all the guilt from the past things that he did as a Winter Soldier. I liked that, but I feel like he was kind of really downplayed for who he was because if we look back at like the Captain Amer America and the Winter Soldier movie. Like, he was B.A. Like, he was, like, you know, beating up Captain America. And now he comes up against these super soldiers that really don't have any training. They just barely got the serum. He's, like, the OG serum holder with a vibranium arm, and he can't take these guys? It's, it's it interesting. It really kind of bugs me As that, you're saying this, that they downplay him there. Yeah, and it seems that seems to be a, something that I've seen in the MCU before. Like, look mm -hmm. at Hulk. Look at yeah. Hulk's story. Yeah, you know, becomes Professor Hulk and isn't can't really show. Even like yeah. even like uh, even Thanos to some degree was stronger in Infinity War than he was in uh, in Endgame. Endgame. Yeah, I guess that is due to the time warpage. But mm -hmm. anyway, yeah. Brady thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think the series expands more on the context of the world in a way that the other shows or movies haven't like fully addressed mm. like there wasn't as much there was a little bit of character development like you talked about um with bucky um mm -hmm. where you kind of go into him kind of trying to recover after all these years of being brainwashed and killing people and having all those hard memories and people that he hurt but setting the context with the flag snatchers and everybody uh that what it would be like to be in a world where the blip after the blip and then mm -hmm. everyone comes back and there's all these socio-economic issues and and how people are dealing with these different things and, and like it, it kind of it sets a context for like wow the world is different now mm -hmm. and it won't change again like it'll change but like this is the new reality and this brings new problems, and this brings new villains and new situations that will have to be addressed in all the future movies and shows. Yeah. So it doesn't go maybe as much into the characters as as that WandaVision does in such a good way, but it does delve into the the background situation that will be the background for the rest of the movies. Yeah, agreed. And they did, uh, we failed to mention, but they did that as well in WandaVision a little bit, showing life after the blip. That's a big thing to to you know, five years of have the world gone. Mm -hmm. Got to show, got to show the consequences, side. right? Whether you came back or you lived through it. Yeah, I, I think actually to your to that statement, I think my favorite one of my favorite scenes or episodes of the of the of Falcon and Winter Soldier is, is the part where where Sam and his sister are at the bank and trying to get the loan and talk about the boat. Like it's like these are real world problems mm -hmm. and yeah. they don't just go away because you're a superhero. Like kind of thinking about. You know, how do they get paid? It's not like mm -hmm. Tony Stark had them all on an internship, like, you know, Peter Parker said he was on. Anyways, it, yeah, it, it's true. I think I think Marvel Studios is, is uh, trying to to talk about real life stories in in superhero movies, which is just is something that can happen. A lot of people kind of rip on the superhero genre because it can be, you know, just shoot them up or whatever and not really realistic or relatable, but they're making an effort to do so. And I appreciate that. I think it, I think it was fine. And, and like I said, I thought the finale was really good. There's a lot of storylines moving forward that we can look at. And uh, 
you know, one of them was the introduction of, oh man, I forget the actress's name, uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, is she the um, the the lady Seinfeld. from uh, Seinfeld? Yeah. Seinfeld, yeah. Seinfeld lady. She was uh, she plays Valentina Defontaine, and in the comics, uh, she is, I I think it's like Captain Hydra at some point. She she mm. represents Hydra, and she's in uh, you know with them in the comics, and then her in the comics when she partners with you know U.S. Agent who, I guess we should have said spoilers. That's too late. It's too late at this it's too point. Late now. If you haven't seen it, maybe, it's your own Maybe fault. when you do the description, say there are spoilers, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the U.S. agent becomes like a Captain Hydra in a sense and leads the Dark Avengers and certain comic book storylines. So that's something that they could be setting up. Okay, that's interesting because I was wondering. I, I, figured was, this, yeah. I figured this series was setting up the anti-Captain America, but then he kind of like wasn't at the very end. Like, he was like he had good problems again. Yeah. and then he kind of overcame his issues. Yeah. But then that makes sense because I didn't know who the, her character was. Right. And, and, and they don't tell you, I guess. So. And that's the thing is like a couple of people were asking the showrunners, like, are we going to have another Luke, Le- Luke Skywalker level cameo like they had in The Mandalorian and your Marvel shows? And everyone's like, yeah, definitely. But then they have people like this who, if you're one of those avid comic book fans that I mentioned before, I'm sure blew your mind. Yeah. Right. But to the rest of us, it's, you know, it'll, we'll just see how it unfolds moving forward. Uh, any last thoughts on the shows so far? Well, I guess just Sharon Car- Carter being the power broker. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did you see I, I called it. I mean, I did yeah. see it coming, like, after she had that um, mysterious phone call with that guy that she was paying to, yeah. to work with the Flag Smashers. I was like, all right, she's she's probably the power broker there. But shout out to Brandon Coombs. I called it, and I told you so, that, that uh, she was going to be the power broker. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Got, got it was kind of surprising, though, like... <laughs> And, like, I hope they do a little bit more of a backstory with that because my last memory of Sharon Carter was her just helping out Captain America, really being the only one that they, he could trust inside S.H.I.E.L.D. And then out, now all of a sudden she's just this straight evil person. Well, they never showed... So, if you'll remember, at the end of Civil War, uh, Team Cap was in the, the prison in the middle of the ocean, mm-hmm. which I can't remember the name of. There was a name of, that, of the prison. But, but anyways, yeah. Okay. Uh, she was there and then when they all broke out she broke out with them and then from then to seeing her in the show it's just kind of been alluded that she's been on the run and, mm-hmm. yeah. and has never been granted uh, a full Amazon, pardon yeah. which she was at the end of the show so yeah it'd be interesting to see what she was up to and what she will be doing moving forward Yeah, and also to your last statement I don't know if she's necessarily pure evil she's very like in it for herself now and she's been betrayed by people and like she's not super good but that doesn't necessarily well, like, what is her motive doing this now? Like, now that she's gotten her full card in the She gets access because she has an inside gig. Like, she yeah, she has mean... more power. She's the power broker. Okay. So, All right. Morally, power. definitely morally great. So, what Brady, oh, is, yeah, saying, sure. what Brady is saying is it's not wrong to give out government secrets and to sell weapons on the black market. So that, that's what Brady's saying. The government, I did not say that. <laughs> the government is listening, even if they're not showing up in our views. So I did not say that. <laughs> it should be should be good. A couple. Oh, and then one more thing too on that. And this is like a pretty heavily confirmed rumor: is Captain America four the movie is in the works, is being written, will be featuring Captain America, Sam Wilson's Captain America, and uh, that's something we can look forward to. Yeah. Phase, phase oh, five awesome. or whenever that will come down the line. Cool. Okay. Great. Uh, 
the the future of the MCU we can talk about. I don't know if we have a ton of time left. We'll just go for it. <laughs> but um, we've got a lot coming down the line. We have like 12 or 13 television shows that have been announced through Disney Plus and just as many uh, movies that all seem to fit into this phase four. I think that post-Infinity War, it's not going to be so concrete phases. We'll, we'll see what they do. But let's just preview what's going to come down the line this year. The next thing on the docket is Loki Season 1, which I think looks awesome. When does that start? Uh, June 11th? July 11th? Okay. Uh, yeah, June 11th. It will, if our listeners will remember, when Loki took the Tesseract in Infinity War and escaped into a separate timeline, it branched into the multiverse and... I, as per the rumors, but but the show will will deal with the after effects of that action, and we get to see Loki again, which is awesome. In the MCU, nobody really dies. You know, you get to <laughs> you get to see everybody have their day in the sun. I'm really excited for that show. Hopefully, we can all watch it together. Any thoughts on it, or keep moving on? Um, no, I don't think it'll be cool. It, yeah, it sounds cool. sounds cool. Okay, um, I, I after after Loki, I believe there's a. a the, the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is the next movie coming out. I don't know much about this one, so I can't really speak a ton on it. I know that it involves the Mandarin and the terrorist organization, the group of the Ten Rings, which was referenced in Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. but turned out to be kind of a, a fake, a fake mm-hmm. with um, Ben Kingsley's character. So this should be really good. I, from what I hear is they're trying to... They, they've cast an all-Asian cast, and they're trying... I, I guess they're not trying to recapture the, the lightning of Black Panther. But they're definitely um, wanting to do something that really showcases Asian superheroes and has an awesome story in their lore, uh, which I'm really excited for. Uh, then there's the Eternals coming out this year. The Eternals was um, has been delayed multiple times because of COVID. But if, do you guys remember in like Guardians of the Galaxy one and two, I believe. There's like a part where the Guardians like fly into this giant head in space mm-hmm. called yep. Nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, those beings were the, that, that's one of the Eternals. Mm-hmm. And one of the, these ancient creatures that have existed in the universe forever. The Eternals have a ton of comic book storylines, which again, I haven't read any of them, but I've read about them. And uh, they've got like an, a star-studded cast for this movie. Uh, let me just pull up some of the people that are in it that, you got Angelina Jolie uh, is in the movie. Richard Madden, who, if if anyone's seen Game of Thrones, he played um, Lord Stark's son, who I'm drawing a blank on, but he was really great. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. He's a comedian. He's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, Kit Harington, who's also in Game of Thrones. He's Jon Snow. Um, and a couple more. Salma Hayek, who was in... Um, oh, gosh. I think she was in... I think she was in the Fast and Furious movies. I might be wrong on that, but star-studded cast should be really good. Kevin Feige said that the the script and screenplay for the Eternals is the best script and screenplay he's seen for any of the movies that he's been a part of. So that's like high praise coming from the head honcho himself. That's coming out in uh, November of this year, and then we get Spider-Man: No Way Home in December. This is going to be the movie of the year. You can already you know quote me on that. Uh, I want to spend a bit more time in this movie. Oh, we totally didn't even talk about Black Widow. Well, Black Widow's coming out. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been we thought that was going to come out last year, so that's already kind of yeah, and it should be good, but I don't think it contributes to the future of MCU. Yeah, just a little... it's going to be a fun homage to Black Widow. Yeah. Okay, Spider Man No Way Home. Are you guys Spider Man fans? Yes, I really like Spider Man. I know you are, Jordan, and yeah. we appreciate it. I'm not historically. I like this Spider Man. I like. I really liked Miles Morales Spider Man. The Into the Spider Verse. Spider Verse. That was. Oh. I really liked that Spider Man. The other ones, when I like growing up, me, I don't really care. But. Then the news, then the, the speculation I have might not be as of interest to you, but it should be. Too I really like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. I know that's sometimes an unpopular opinion, but that is, I enjoyed them. That is yeah. not unpopular. I'm with you on that, and there are so many people with you on that, and so many people who are excited for what Spider-Man No Way Home is looking like it's going to be. Kevin Feige, so the things we know for sure. Kevin Feige has said that there is a multiverse storyline in the MCU that is going to involve... Three projects specifically, uh, WandaVision, which is since wrapped up, Spider-Man No Way Home, and then Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness that comes out, uh, I believe, in May of next year or April. Uh, so we know that it involves the multiverse in some way. Uh, we also know for sure that Alfred Molina, who played Doc Ock in 2002's Spider-Man 2, is reprising his role. That That was like a rumor and like a... Oh, that's like a confirmed rumor, but last week he did an interview uh, with somebody and mentioned that he is going to be in it. He talked about his role. He didn't get into spoilers, but he did say that the story of Spider-Man 3 picks up exactly, if, if, if you'll remember, remember in Spider-Man 2 where he's like reconstructing the, mm -hmm. uh, the power source or whatever it was yeah. and like drowns it to save. It picks up from there? Picks up right from wow. that moment. Yeah. That's cool. So we get to see we get to see what happened to him. Uh, again, like I said, in these movies, no one ever really dies. <laughs> so uh, he's confirmed. Uh, Jamie Foxx is confirmed to return as Electro, who played Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which was Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider-Man series. And uh, those two are confirmed. Other heavily rumored uh, people to show up, and at this point I would, it's all but guaranteed, would be Willem Dafoe returning as Green Goblin. And uh, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, which, for me, who's I'm just like a massive Spider-Man fan, it's just a dream come true to see all of them on the same screen and have that come together. There's rumors that they want Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield to continue their trilogies afterwards and like keep going with those movies and be a part of the MCU to some capacity. Uh, what do you think? Is that something that you're excited for? I mean, I'm excited for it. Like I said, like, Spider-Man, I think that was the first superhero movie that I actually started watching when I was younger. So that's really what helped me to fall in love with that style of movie. So I'm all for more Spider-Man. And if they can do it as well, I, I really enjoyed the Spider-Verse as well. Yeah. Um, uh, so if they can do it as well as that um, was done, I think it'll be really fun to watch. Yeah, it should be incredible. Um, they... There's a couple more actors that I want to mention as well that are rumored to show up. Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Oh, man, that'll be so good. Right? I know you've seen I'm so it. Excited. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Brady. Uh, but yeah, I've seen parts. I've seen some the, the Netflix shows that they did a couple years ago with uh, the Defenders. Dare, I will stand by that Daredevil season one and three are the best things that MCU have, have ever done. Well, I, is that technically MCU? It was, a, yes. It is? So, okay. Okay, so, so it started... I mean, it, it, it was MCU, and it was... In the fact that it was... Set in the same universe. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, they mentioned the Avengers. They mentioned the Avengers. Mm -hmm. They mentioned, you know, Mjolnir and things. But then, um, 
they, um, I think they decanonized it a bit later. But anyway, he's rumored to show up. A couple more people should be really great. Uh, on the business end, Disney Plus, they just signed a deal that in 2022, all Spider-Man movies will be on Disney Plus, mm, including nice. Venom, including Carnage, wow. the Carnage movie, including the Morbius movie. So we've got a lot coming down the line. That should be great. Um, I think that would be it for the end of 2021. I think we're at, we've gone way over time here. Um, but there's a lot more coming down the line. I'll just list the movies that we've got in the next couple of years. Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness, Madness, which I think wraps up this multiverse storyline. Thor Love and Thunder, which is going to be nuts. Taika Waititi <laughs> is, has returned to direct. No, oh, nice. Uh, like we got Russell Crowe playing Zeus. We got Matt Damon in there somehow. We got we got Christian Bale playing the, the villain. It's going to be a Wow, crazy that's a loaded movie. cast. Yeah, and then there's another Black Panther movie, another Captain Marvel movie, another Ant-Man movie, another Guardians movie. They're going to do the Fantastic Four at some point. And uh, then... Uh, I won't go into all the TV shows because there are, are tons of them, but the future is bright for the MCU. I'm super excited. Hopefully we'll all get to watch it together. And uh, yeah, that's about it. All Sorry right. to take 53 minutes on that. No, that's that was great. Um, thank you for your um, expertise and knowledge on the Marvel Universe. I now feel like I'm more up to date. There's more I could have said, and if you want to know more, Come find me, because I'm sure that the people who listen to this probably know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, probably. It's a pretty good chance. You've also chance. probably already heard most of Pro your Probably, yeah. <laughs> probably. They're like, oh, this again? <laughs> but well, I, I enjoyed that. that I got to do my Coldplay plug. This okay. will take 30 right. seconds. Go. But because Brady called me a Coldplay ambassador, I believe, as what you said, Coldplay is currently, as we speak, teasing their ninth album, which hasn't been titled yet, but is rumored to be called Music of the Spheres. It was supposed to have been out last year and we were supposed to be in the middle of a world tour. Uh, due to COVID, it was delayed. And I've been waiting for this for like nine months because there was rumors it was coming out last last summer and uh, then this winter. And But now it's finally happening. It's gonna be a lot more upbeat than the last album. It's supposed to be a lot more commercial and should be great to tour. If you're a Coldplay fan, look, look for that in the next uh, coming weeks. I think it's gonna be released on May 7th. So uh, mark that in your calendars. For all of you yeah. who haven't heard of Coldplay before, they're coming out with an album. I, I don't think so. I would hope that no one, there's no one that hasn't heard of Coldplay. That would be so sad. What a world if you don't know about Coldplay. Mm. My, heart, my heart goes out yeah, if you I mean, haven't heard. And if you haven't looked them up, it will, um, yeah. it will change your life. Thank you. That means a lot. All right, well, thank you for yeah. joining us, Morgan. Uh, as someone who is still actually a BYU student, me and Jordan are now both graduated. Oh, we forgot to mention that. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations. Um, but we had a good time today. Yeah. And uh, we hope that you will look out for our next podcast coming up soon. Thank you so much. See you next time. <laughs>